Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, IndyCar fans. This is Nathan Brown, your motorsports reporter with the Indianapolis Star, here with Ed Carpenter Racing's Connor Daly for another episode of IndyCar Weekly. Um, another wild, wild week in IndyCar news. Uh, a lot of things to break down here with Connor. But first off, uh, Connor, um, after your uh, first couple iRacing races, how are you feeling in uh heading into another, some sort of uh, racing week here? Well, uh, I definitely prefer um, real racing uh, to iRacing. Um, it's, it's, it's just something that um, I hope, you know, people can get a laugh out of, people can enjoy. Uh, obviously, it's something to do, you know, something that, that keeps us engaged, keeps people watching. Um you know, I, I'm actually genuinely surprised at how many uh, drivers are are are, are doing it. Um, but we have nothing else to do, so uh, it's it's a really you know it's a very interesting time in everyone's lives. And and yeah, if 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 it's getting everyone involved in sim racing and getting everyone on the internet, um, it, it's it's pretty cool. So hopefully people are enjoying it. Um, I am in no way competing to win. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, there's no prizes for it at all. Um, but it is, you know, it is a chance for us to interact with people, interact with fans, um, maybe create some, uh, humorous internet clips, uh, which is certainly my goal here. Um, but, uh, but yeah, if we go racing on the ovals, I'll be in much better shape, uh, to compete there because my setup might, uh, handle ovals a little bit easier than the road courses. That's good. Well, let's we'll uh, dive into a little bit more of that here in a second. But let's get down to the the big news of last week. That of course involving the Indianapolis 500, the 104th running that is now going to be run in August. All of those billboards, all of the T-shirts uh, that you've seen around the city and around the state asking if it's May yet. It is not May, but the month that people now will be looking forward to is August. Uh, what were some of your initial thoughts when you uh, we learned about the schedule change for the biggest race on the calendar for this year? Honestly, it was really weird to look at. Um, I, I, it's it's obviously something that not not many of us are um, well, none of us are, are used to. Uh, it's it's something new it's something we'll have to adapt to obviously you know running our our biggest race of the year the biggest race in the world you know at a completely different time of the year you know presents a lot of a lot of interesting um you know hurdles i guess because a lot of our speedway cars that you know i know my speedway car that was you know planned on being run in the month of may is uh you know might have to get used earlier at texas for ed or 
you know, I, I don't know how the chassis rotation is going to work because obviously the first oval race of the season is normally Indy. Um, so you have your speedway cars ready, but now that's definitely not the case. So, um, so it'll just be interesting to see how, you know, teams adjust in their preparation. Um, you know, when we, when we all do get back to work eventually. Um, but yeah, I, I think either way, you know, no matter what race it is, no matter when it is, I mean, drivers focus on being the best they can be at, you know, for, for when that race day comes. So, you know, it doesn't matter if the Indy 500 in December, January, May, or August. I mean, if, if it's the Indy 500, we're going to be ready for it. We're going to be focused on winning, you know, the biggest trophy in motorsport. And, um, and that's, and that's what we have to do. What, what do you anticipate, um, that we I'm mean, just being in a different month. I know you've said it and a lot of other drivers have mentioned it that as long as it's an oval 500 mile oval race on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway um once you guys get into the car it's going to be what it is and it won't feel any different but the lead up to the race the fact that it's on this big holiday weekend um do you anticipate just kind of everything outside of the race to maybe feel a little bit different once we get to that last couple of weeks of August here in a couple of months? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's going to be different for sure. I, I mean, we're going to be, we're going to be way deeper into the season. We're going to be, um, you know, in, in a bit of a different spot, uh, you know, mentally, physically. Um, and I mean, yeah, it's just going to be one of those times of, of adaptation and, uh, and who can, who can make the best of the situation. You know, I also look forward to seeing what kind of testing, you know, is offered. Obviously, we usually get a test in April at Indy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what kind of testing rules will go into place once we all start getting back into, like, normal life, um, you know, because testing is going to be really important. We've already missed out on, you know, several test days uh, with all the cancellations that have happened. Um, so, you know, testing will be important because, obviously, if we're going to go testing, it'll be more midsummer, uh, where the weather could be, you know, extremely hot and, 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 and pretty different. Um, so downforce levels are going to be looked at, I'm sure, uh, because we still want to create a really good product. So um, so that there, there's a lot of elements that people, you know, may not have thought about yet, only because we can't, because we just don't have a, a, a real idea of how, you know, the – the world situation is going to play out yet. Um, but all, all we know is, you know, there is a schedule in place. And when we do, you know, get there, we will have, you know, several days of practice to start getting used to it and teams will be prepared. Um, but, you know, the thing that I, you know, that I am curious to see, you know, about most is, is what the smaller teams do or what the one-off teams, you know, for the Indy 500 do. I mean, how does that affect how their cars are prepared? Um, you know, because it might be easier to run the Grand Prix of Indy now um, and then be have that same car kind of go through Indy 500 prep uh, to run the month of August. Um, so that, that could be something that we see. Maybe more cars do the July 4th weekend um, now because it was a lot of those – a lot of the folks, you know, when I was at Andretti, we couldn't do the Grand Prix because we didn't want to take a chance of, um, you know, running my Speedway car on a road course. Uh, well, we also didn't have enough budget. But um, <laughs> but realistically, you know, they want to keep that Indy 500 car, uh, you know, in oval trim, oval, oval body fit, everything ready to go for that 
one race, the Indy 500. Um, but now those two races are separate. So, so we'll see how it all plays out. I think July 4th weekend is going to be a lot of fun. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there, you, you could talk about so many different things. Um, but you know, for now it's still literally like the beginning of April. So we have a, a lot of time, um, you know, to, to get things going and to sort of see how the world plays out. What, um, you, you touched on a little bit already, but, uh, when we look at how the, you know, the schedule is going to differ, the 500 obviously is now not the first oval on the calendar. How does that, how does that make things any different? I know you haven't run a, a full season schedule for a couple of years, but, um, has it is it ever weird thinking about the 500 in the past being the first time that you guys would oftentimes get on an oval uh, and have does having some more oval prep for some other guys I know um, you included with your races with with Carlin does that help you any more going into that race? I don't know if it helps me. I think it'll help the rookies a lot for sure. To uh, but but having said that. To go from Indy to then Texas, I think, is a huge help um, because Texas, you have, like, one one practice session if you're lucky. If it doesn't rain during one of them, you know what I mean? If it doesn't rain, then you get two. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I think Indy, for rookies, you have so many days, right? So you don't have to get out there and do things, you know, pretty aggressively immediately. Well, now the rookies are going to have to go straight to Texas and have, you know, maybe two, two practice sessions and then they're going racing for a long distance. So I think Texas is going to stress a lot of the rookies a little bit more than um, if, if we would have had Indy, uh, you know, before Texas. So it'll, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I think it'll be nice to do some oval races before Indy because it really gets you, you know, gets you going. But Indy is such a different animal because you have that whole week of practice. Um, you know, even, even after one full day of practice at Indy, you're sort of already in that oval mode and in Indy mode. So, um, it'll just be all different and we'll all have to deal with it, you know, as best we can. And, um, it's certainly just, you know, it's a bit of a roll of the dice and, and, uh, I'm excited to kind of see how it plays out only because it's different. And I think, you know, I've, I've been able to adapt certainly in my own case to many, many different situations. Um, but a lot of these guys have been in season, the same season all the time for many, many years. So, you know, throwing, throwing a lot of people out of their, you know, normal, um, I guess normal schedule could be different. I mean, some of the, some of these guys, I mean, think of how many seasons, consecutive seasons they've done in a row where there hasn't been something like this happened. Right. Whereas my last three seasons, I never know when I'm going to race. I could race, you know, at the beginning of May, end of September, middle of August. Who knows? Um, so I'm, I'm used to something like this. Um, but a lot of our guys, you know, that have been at it for so long, they've never had, you know, a schedule change up like this. So, again, they'll be fine. You know, there's a reason they're in for so many seasons. But it, it is funny to think about. Absolutely. Um a lot of people have talked on both sides of the coin about uh, how different the weather is going to be in late May versus late August. What what side of the coin do you fall on having 
you know, grown up in Indiana, spent a lot of summers around here, I imagine. How different really is it? Uh, and maybe, you know, you don't have the experience of what it's like on, the, you know, the IMS track per se, but what do you imagine the difference actually truly being like for you guys, even just taking out the uh, the wind screen, the air screen element of it for a second? Well, I think the, the best part of doing Texas first as an oval race is we will get more aero screen data, um, you know, with an oval race before getting to Indy. You know, to have Indy as the first debut on the oval for the aero screen, that's a big stage. And, you know, if there is a potential issue that people didn't think about or there was something that we might have missed, um, you know, that would have been on the biggest stage of our season. So thankfully, we do have Texas. We have more races to kind of figure out what the aero screen needs and what the driver needs cooling wise. Because for sure, August, I mean, the first thing that comes to my head is heat. Um, it's going to be super hot. Uh, but also, I mean, it, it, it's, 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 it's hot in May as well. You know what I mean? And, and two years ago, I, I remember racing at Indy when it was, you know, 100 degrees out or something. So it was, you know, it, it can be really hot in May. Um, but I think on a consistency basis, you know, consistently it's going to be hotter in August, I think, for sure. So that'll be just that'll just be interesting. I think Firestone's going to have to think about it uh, a little bit more. Maybe Firestone does a little bit. Maybe they change up the tire a slight bit after we do some testing in the summer. Um, you know, so we'll, so we'll see. But I think in, in general it's going to be hotter. I've been through many Indiana summers, um, but realist but realistically, we, it, it doesn't matter if it's forty degrees. Well, I mean, technically forty degrees would be too cold. But if it's fifty <laughs> or a hundred, we're going to race, right? And that's what we got to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Um, you know, one thing that that people have talked about, just kind of, you know, in the the scheme of that, with the uh, the Grand Prix, um, that that race certainly changes up. It becomes maybe in a lot of ways a, a bigger deal uh, when it joins this July Fourth Brickyard weekend, which is also brand new now. Uh, now that you had an IndyCar race, I know you said that you're super pumped about driving in that race. Uh, is there any chance, you know, have you looked into or even just kind of thought about participating in any of those other races that now fall that weekend along with that IndyCar race? Well, I mean, everyone thinks about it, but if, if I thought about races to compete in, I'd be competing in a hundred races a year, <laughs> but it takes a lot more than that, um, sadly. And, and, and I really don't think it would be smart to do more races in one weekend. Um, you know, the IndyCar is, is really physical and, you know, I think you, you want to be as dedicated as possible to that because that's your main goal. Um, the only reason I would have done the July 4th weekend in Xfinity um, is, first of all, if we found 100 grand worth of sponsorship, <laughs> and second of all, you know, because it was an off weekend for us. So I don't, I don't think it's realistic for guys to do both. I think, you know, it, it might be more entertaining for a, you know, for a NASCAR guy to go to the IndyCar side. Um, because, you know, for them, I, I don't think that race is as physically difficult. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's best to stay focused on, on just the IndyCar stuff. Um, uh, the dirt racing stuff though, maybe, maybe I can do the dirt race on a Wednesday or something, you know, maybe do the BC 39. Um, but it all depends on what the team, you know, is willing to let me do and, I mean, we haven't even had that type of conversation yet, but I don't think it's realistic to think about doing the Xfinity race and the IndyCar race in the same weekend. Yeah, it's uh, it was purely from purely from a finance. I mean, 
someone's got to pay for it. Like, it, yeah. they're, they're not handing out these rides to, to people like us. So that, that's just not how the business works. Yeah, Doug, Doug hinted on our call last week. Uh, he, he didn't use his name, but when anyone hears uh, a famous race car driver from Columbus, Indiana, we all know who Doug's talking about, um, reached out to Tony Stewart to see if he could push him or dare him, whatever words you want to use, to try to get involved in all four of those. I'm sure that would be something that would be uh, an incredibly daunting task, both physically, mentally, everything, uh, financially, as you mentioned. But um, no matter what happens that weekend, I think it certainly looks like this could be the start of a, an interesting partnership with IndyCar and NASCAR, um, whether it continues just with this uh, year's race that weekend, whether it's maybe even other races this year if, if uh, the circumstances require it or, or other things down the road. But what do you think about just kind of the idea of these two series partnering to, uh, to begin with? Honestly, I love it. I, I think doing this, is is great for motorsport in general. Um, I, I do hope it's, it it flows through the weekend well. I hope that it's not you know no one tries to step on one another and you know we do realize that NASCAR is bigger than we are. Like like that is something that I think is purely obvious. So I hope they don't try to you know. I don't know, strut their stuff or, or pop the chest out a little bit, you know, try to do something to flex their muscles. I mean, look, we got to have a successful weekend for everyone in general. We all want to sell tickets. We all want to have a good TV package. Um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I have a lot of friends in NASCAR in the NASCAR world and, and normally we don't, you know, we're certainly not doing anything on the same weekends ever. Um, and so this will be a cool deal to be able to kind of just talk to them and, and uh, and see how their weekends are going at the same time as you're doing stuff. So I think there's a lot of positives to everyone working together that weekend, and I would love to see more of that in the future. But obviously, you know, maybe we needed something like this, you know, a crazy worldwide, you know, pandemic of a situation to, uh, you know, bring people together and, and bring some motorsport um you know, personalities together and, and just kind of see how it all goes. I think it's it's a massive weekend for content. It feels like it should be a week-long deal. It feels like, you know, there should be practice Monday. There should be something going on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday because, you know, that that's, that's so many racing series. There's a lot of trucks. There's a lot of cars, um, a lot of team members. So it's going to be a busy weekend at the track. Um, a lot of drivers have already thought, you know, who's going to get the motorhome spots in the interior, in the inside of the track. I don't, I don't know <laughs> if it's going to be us. There's not a lot of drivers with motorhomes in IndyCar, but there certainly are a few, but there are definitely way more NASCAR cup guys and Xfinity guys with motorhomes. So who gets the bus spots? We don't know these things. It'll be uh, interesting to see how it plays out. It will. It'll be a, a wild week around there. You'll certainly feel for the, uh, IMS personnel who are going to be there around the clock, almost probably wishing that they had a motorhome at the track themselves as much as they'll be going back and forth. Um, but that's obviously not the only change to the schedule. You know, now we've got um, the month of August looks completely different. you got Mid-Ohio on August 9th uh, qualifying for the 500, the 15th and the 16th with the race on the 23rd. Uh, Gateway now on the 30th, and then Portland moved back to September 13th with a 
potential St. Petersburg finale on a date to be determined at some point in October. Uh, I know initially with the schedule, we were going to have almost a, a four-week gap in there between July and August with the Olympics. Obviously, um, part of the reason that IndyCar is able to do this is because the Olympics have been postponed to 2021. Do you think once we are finally able to get things going, just kind of the rhythm of having races almost week in and week out will be a nice way to get the season going once it does get started? I think so, but but people are going to definitely it'll it, it's going to wear on the crew, it's going to wear on everyone. Um, but we got to remember that you know we've we've had to sit around here for three months. You know what I mean? We've had the off season has been an extended period of time, um, and it's it's going to be a tough. You know when we think about it, it's not it's not about you know the tough three months of the season, whether it's June, July, August, September. And then if we get into October, you know, I love racing into October. That's great. That's what I'm used to. I was doing the Lamborghini World Finals last year in October, and I thought it was, you know, I thought it was great. Um, because you want to be, like, our, our off season. I thought, was already way too long. Um, but now it's going to be way shorter. And so the work that, you know, the work that continues through October, you know, to finish out the season, um, you got to remember that, Right after that season, you start immediately getting ready for the the regular start of 2021. So, you know, contract negotiations, driver, a lot of driver contracts are up after this year. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of negotiation that has to happen in a really, uh, you know, condensed time period. Um, because I'm sure in February, you know, we'll already be doing media day and doing, you know, preseason training um, at, you know, some track somewhere. So, you know, that, so that it's going to be really until the end of 2021 where the guys, you know, the crew members and the teams kind of get back to a, a normal flow of, of off-season work. Yeah, as, as crazy as this off-season was for so many different reasons, at least driver movement-wise, this one between 20 and 21 has been projected for a couple years of being uh, the busiest as far as contracts being up. There's already a lot of rumors about drivers moving here and there or, um, you know, stepping down from the series or, or anything else. So it should be, uh, could be pretty, pretty crazy. Um, another thing on the 500, uh, when we're talking about temperature concerns, one thing is they haven't actually announced the uh, start time for the 500. So I guess potentially you could have it start, you know, maybe – Later in the day, obviously, we don't have lights there. I know a lot of people have been pushing for that, and that's just not something that can be done in a couple months' time frame. But maybe you have a chance to start the race a little bit later, uh, maybe able to get away from some of those heat concerns. I know a lot of people really love getting to the track at 5 or 6 in the morning and, and tailgating and, and getting right in there, but maybe that's a way to help alleviate some of those heat concerns um, to make it feel somewhat more like what you would more so expect in a in a May race. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm not surprised they didn't put a start time. Um, you know, maybe maybe we do do it later into the afternoon. Maybe we do it, you know, same time as always. You know, 12 noon, we're all ready to go. Um, but yeah, I think this type of year, everyone's going to have to get used to you know adapting on the run. You know, not having, you know, potentially not having things completely set in stone. 
you know, way in advance. Obviously, we have to for organizational reasons and, and, you know, team preparation reasons. But um, I think when it comes to start times of the race, when it comes to, you know, TV windows, those are really most important. And uh, and we'll just kind of have to go from there and basically just get, you know, for our sponsors, certainly in this current economic disaster, that's going to affect racing in a massive way as well. So we've got to be able to really show out for our sponsors this year um, because, you know, everyone's lost their money. So, you know, we got to figure out how we, uh, you know, how we go from here. And I really hope, you know, we can, we can continue into 2021, um, you know, with a lot of good momentum and, and a lot of uh, good things happening. But obviously the economy right now is, is being slaughtered. Um, which is such a shame. So we hope that we can show out for our sponsors this year. And, and for that, we need, you know, good NBC windows and good NBC uh, time slots, and hopefully we can get those. Yep. Um, another, as if the 500 needed to be any more important on the schedule, we learned yesterday uh, that the 500 is actually going to be the only race on the 2020 schedule that will give out uh, double points for everyone involved on the grid, which I know uh, with you being a full-time driver now um, this year in 2020 maybe means a, a little bit more than it might have a couple years ago. What are your thoughts on you know, taking away, I know just with the, the schedule and flux as it has been and probably will continue to be as far as what that season finale is going to be, it probably made sense in the long run, but um, having Indy be the only double points race, how do you feel like that affects things going forward this year? I mean, it's tough to say. I, I think I think that's it's 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 fair to make Indy the only double points race um, because it is the biggest. I've always, you know, in in my scenario, uh, a, a lot of the times that double points finale. I mean, my engine blew up there in 2016 and 2017. It was okay. You know, we we finished tenth in the last race of the year, um, but a lot of it. You know, uh, there, there's so many things that can go on there that I think it just being a normal race is good. So Indy being double points, yep, we all get that, totally understand, um, and, and and we'll just go from there. The last race, you know, I'm okay with it being double points, maybe in a scenario when we get back to a normal year, um, but realistically I do think that probably Indy uh, is, is a good one for, you know, for double points. And I think maybe in the future we do like a roll of the, roll of the dice. Like if you're going to have Indy and one other race be worth double points, make it like a total random gamble. Like we're going to roll the dice at the beginning of the season and whatever dice has a certain track on it that comes up, boom, that's going to be double points. It could be the Grand Prix of Indy or it could be Iowa. You know what I mean? You, you never know. I think that would be kind of funny. Um, and But I, I mean – Will that ever happen? Probably, absolutely not. Um, but I think it could be a funny idea if you actually do want to do a second double, you know, double points race. That would be tons of fun. You know, it maybe gives uh, some races like that in the the middle of the year, like in Iowa or like a Toronto or Mid Ohio, maybe a little bit more, a uh, little bit more emphasis and a little bit more eyeballs. It would certainly be a lot of fun. Um, well, let's move on to the uh, the only type of racing that we actually have going on right now and that is of course virtual racing um indycar's got 
got going last week, uh, last Saturday at 4 p.m. on the uh, road course at Watkins Glen. Race streamed on IndyCar.com, IndyCar, and iRacing's YouTube pages, uh, along with some other different platforms. Uh, we at least know this week going into it, uh, the track several days ahead of time this week's race, uh, same time, same day, will be at Barber with what is uh, expected to be an even larger field than the 24 cars that ended up running last week. I know that was your first uh, official experience in the world of iRacing on the, the competitive level. Uh, what was that uh, race, especially those first couple wild laps there, like for you? Um, well, I mean, it, it's interesting. I I have had an iRacing account apparently since 2008, and I've done zero official races. So um, do not have a lot of iRacing experience. Um, I, I honestly am not a huge sim racer. I, I don't I don't really enjoy it as much. I've done thousands and thousands of of real simulator laps when I was with Force India in, in the Formula One side. Um, and then obviously we use the Chevy simulator, Pratt Miller, quite a lot, which is, which is a very, a very good simulator. Um, and you do, you know, full days in those. And, and so that's, you know, that, that's where I, I get my sim racing fix because it actually means something for my job. Whereas what we're doing, you know, on the internet randomly on iRacing, it doesn't really do much for, for me, in my own opinion. I mean, a lot of people love it and, and, and do a ton of it, which is great. Um, but just to give everyone, I guess, a background, we all, you know, we all get in there and, uh, you know, as long as you have a wheel and pedals, you're basically in. And it doesn't matter if you're sitting on a wooden Ikea chair like me or you have a full wraparound television screen with a race seat and full brake pedals like Jimmy Johnson, Simon Paginot, Graham Ray Hall, Alex Rossi, uh, Sage, a lot of those guys. Um, you know, you, you can compete and, and basically how it works as well is we all get in there and it's a fixed setup. So, you know, we can't tune our setups, you know, iRacing and some of their developers have, um, have worked on the setup, uh, guys like Sage Karam, you know, they have helped tune that setup and develop that setup that we all get to use. Um, but they try to obviously use a fixed setup. So it's, you know, it, it's still somewhat, um, you know, more fair. Um, but yeah, there, there's a lot of differences in people's, uh, wheel and pedal setups. There's some people that have, you know, full sim rigs that are set up, um, you know, to, to be full racing situations. Um, and then there's, you know, then there's people who use, you know, Ikea furniture, um, like myself. So, uh, so yeah, it, it's something that I think was, was cool to see how it worked out. I was glad there's a lot of driver participation, um, you know, when I stream it on Twitch, I think it was incredible to uh, interact with all the people who, who tuned into my Twitch stream. Um, it's twitch.tv slash connorhaley22 if you want to check it out. Uh, but I'll be I'll stream all those events myself. But IndyCar obviously also has a broadcast for it, you know, on their YouTube page, which is really cool. Um, so, yeah, th there's, a, there's a lot of positives to it. I think it's great. I think NASCAR has done an incredible job. The fact that it's on Fox Sports 1 broadcast live is huge for esports in general. Um, and, you know, hopefully we can continue to make our product a little bit better, to be totally honest. Road course product on e-racing never going to be good. I, I don't think there was there's anything about it that's going to be awesome. Um, I think it's it's great because 
we might get some close racing. I don't know if there's going to be much overtaking. I know there's going to be a lot of crashing and, <laughs> under, and not realizing why everyone is out of the race. You know, I, I didn't, I passed maybe two cars and still finished 10th in the first race. You know what I mean? Might have passed two or three cars, but I didn't crash. That was the only thing. So um, I think in general, the oval racing that I've done on iRacing has been more, way more fun and way closer and way, com- way more competitive. However, on the internet, it presents, you know, a large opportunity for many yellow flags. So um, there, there's a lot of ways you can look at it. I, I think, you know, we have to go to Barber and, and do what we got to do, but I do hope that at some point, um, you know, we can, uh, we can maybe do an oval race and see how that goes. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's been cool to see how people have enjoyed it, and I'm going to keep streaming it and uh, see how it goes. You mentioned your uh, your uh, IKEA chair setup you had there. I, I did hear, uh, I think you said it on Twitter at some point, it sounded like there was a, a snafu with that chair, though, mid-race. Well, it starts to get unstable a little bit because it's, it's, it's not necessarily uh, put together with, very very high quality pieces um but uh but yeah i mean it 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 works but you start pressing the pedals pretty hard and you know my pedals are on my carpet floor with a with a with a headphone box behind them um to brace against the wall so it's definitely not a driving position it's very much like a school desk setup with a wheel on top of it (laughs) um but yeah it is what it is again i in no way do I care about my results in the e-sport racing world. I don't think that if, if you do that, then you just get more frustrated with the current situation than you could possibly be. And that's the last thing I need is to be more frustrated about not being on a real racetrack. So I'm just going to try and have fun with it and uh, maybe provide some entertainment for the people that are, you know, also sitting at home locked in their houses. I will say, uh, Felix Rosenquist made a, a real big point in multiple interviews that uh, both I had with him and he had with other folks uh, leading up to Saturday's race and over the weekend, just saying you know, that people consider him to be this big iRacing guru, but up until a couple months ago, he was basically, you know, had the, a pretty similar setup, had the wheel you know, fastened to the desk with a, a random chair and uh, a set of pedals, and that was pretty much it. And he he did make a point to say that as far as performance goes, he didn't really feel like spending several grand on uh, on a, a sim racing setup like so many guys do both in IndyCar and NASCAR really made that much of a difference from a, a performance uh, standpoint. So it would be interesting to see um, you know, how things continue to go. If, if guys across the series that don't have any experience, whether they have a great setup or um, one that's a, a little bit less fancy, whether just, you know, the amount of experience that guys get will be more so the deciding factor. I know that you got into one of those oval races you mentioned at Gateway on Sunday. Um, seemed to be a, a pretty wild ride, certainly a lot longer, um, being, a, you know, 500 whole miles Kind of take me through what went into setting that up, who was involved, and and how that race was uh, on an enjoyment level compared to Saturday's. Yeah, so I mean, obviously the IndyCar race on Saturday, you know, was just IndyCar drivers, um, whereas this race I did Sunday night at Gateway, uh, you know, which was a full race distance, 
Um, it, you know, it, there was a lot of sim racers, uh, you know, a lot of NASCAR drivers. There was, you know, from the IndyCar series, it was basically just me, Colton, Rossi. Um, I think Dalton Kellett was in it as well. Um, but there, there were not many IndyCar guys. Uh, Stefan Wilson was in, I think. Um, but then there was, you know, a couple NASCAR guys, Ron Caps from NHRA, he was in it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, basically, you know, it's, it's way easier to touch and crash, you know, in oval sim racing because there's no danger element. You know, people throw danger out the window. They don't really care. Um, so it becomes way easier to crash. And there was a lot of crashes. However, when we were green and when people were racing clean, it was a lot of fun. And I did stick it out for the four hours. And, you know, we finished third, um, which was which was fun. But, uh, but yeah, it's one of those things that um, it, it, it's tough because that track in particular, I know I am quite good at in real life. And, you know, still on a sim setup, Yes, it is easier to drive, you know, on the simulator, but you can't feel the track like you can in real life. And, um, you know, I, 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 uh, I do think there's a lot uh, that, that becomes different, you know, on a simulator. But, yeah, I, it was this elite racing league. We had a great time. I think they're putting on some more races this week, maybe at Indy, uh, Indy Oval. Um, and I know I've got my boss, Ed Carpenter, into it. Um, you know, he definitely wants to do some mobile racing on the simulator to keep himself going. Uh, so yeah, so we'll see how it goes. But as far as the IndyCar branded races, it's only Barber coming up here. How are, I know they looked like from what I saw, um, they ended up falling out of the race at some point, both Colton and, uh, and Rossi. How are they at, uh, being sim racing spotters for you, helping you get to that third place finish? Yeah, Colt, well, the, the funny thing about iRacing is, is you really do run out of fuel. You really do run out of tires. You have to pit for fuel and tires. So, uh, so yeah, Colton was trying to do some math in my headset. Alex was also trying to help him with that math to try and do <laughs> fuel strategy, which none of it worked out very well. However, we did pit um, one lap later than they wanted me to, and I ran out of fuel literally coming to the checker. So... Uh, I think the strategic combination of us all did work out. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty hilarious how that sim racing works. I think it is not not very realistic in a lot of different ways, but it is, you know, the most realistic thing we do have access to right now. Yep, so we've got on the schedule after we have Barber this weekend on Saturday, you've got uh, driver's cho- uh, a driver's choice track on April 11th. They haven't really talked about exactly how that's going to be taken care of, followed by a random draw track on April 18th. You've got Coda on the 25th, and then a, a non-IndyCar Dream track on May 2nd. So um, lots of different options to hopefully to see some different racing beyond just the uh, rotor street course version. Um, but now let's get into some questions. We got some good ones from uh, the folks on Twitter that reached out to us today. Um, let me pull up some of these and uh, see if we have some good ones that we can answer here for some folks, both probably on the schedule, um, on iRacing, and on some other stuff. So uh, we'll start with... Matt Klumpa's, uh, at Matt Klumpa, said, uh, Connor, thanks for the fun on the streams. Any chance of you running the USAC iRace this Thursday? 
and then what would be the best track to have an IndyCar iRace at? Uh, well, definitely, I am honestly trying to do as little sim racing as possible because to be totally honest, it is really frustrating for me. Like, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't enjoy getting beat in anything, and so I know I'm just going to get beat there, so I don't really want to do it, and I don't really enjoy it, so I, uh, I'll try and do some cool streams for events, you know, like the IndyCar races that are, you know, branded IndyCar, and maybe, you know, the Elite Racing League that maybe we do more of, um, but other than that, I'm trying to avoid it to keep my frustration levels down. I just want to get through this quarantine crap and get to real life again. Um, so, yeah, it is what it is. But uh, when it comes to what would be a great sim racing race, I have no idea because I don't do it. So I, I don't know. I think anything, um, anything that you might find enjoyable would be the best one. Um, well guys, we, we didn't go over this at the start of the podcast, but in the last week and a half since we've spoken, uh, is your, uh, quarantine setup still the same? Basically just going to work out, playing, uh, a lot of Call of Duty and, and trying to stay away from anyone that could get you sick? I guess, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't interacted with any other humans, um, so that's been kind of annoying. But, yeah, just trying to stay fit, trying to stay, uh, you know, active in, in, uh, in a home gym type scenario. Um, and, yeah, try not to be depressed. That's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got another one from Mark B. at 70s Rock Best. said, uh, I used to live in Indy. It can be friggin' hot in August. Uh, is it August yet? Question mark. With the air screen and 90 degree heat, does Connor see driver conditioning to be an even greater factor in a 500 mile race? Thanks. Well, I mean, you know, he asked that as if we know. We just don't know. <laughs> I mean, there there has been, you know, I have done 1.3 days in an air screen vehicle, so I, I I don't know what the heat's going to be like. I don't know what you know what that will look like. So thankfully. You know, we've got Detroit, we've got Texas, we've got whatever races come after those um, to, to see how the aero screen does work in heat. And we've got to, you know, we've got to take it one weekend at a time still. So it's it's really unfair to, to predict how that's going to be um, because we just simply don't have that information yet. Yep. Uh, another question from Emily, at Emily V says, uh, Connor... Your gateway stream was highly entertaining. How would you rate Colton and, and Alex as spotters and race strategists? I do appreciate the fact that they stuck around. I, I text them both afterwards saying, hey, I, I, there was, you had no reason to stay there after you guys crashed, so I appreciate you guys hanging out. Um, it was hilarious to have them on the mic. I think it's cool to, you know, to be able to stream that to everyone, kind of our interactions there, which is really cool. And, and I think we're probably going to do some more of that as well. So uh, it's good to have those guys involved. They're hilarious dudes um, on the internet and in real life. So it's cool to get that out to the people. I know, you know, Sage and Felix were the big talk of you know immediately after the race. Those guys, along with Will, were you know up front for pretty much the whole race. But it seemed like from what I saw, your 
reactions to this, particularly the start of the race uh, when we had I don't even know which car it was someone just completely flying through the air he had some really viral uh, reactions on on social media what what kind of feedback have you gotten from both folks that you do know and folks that you you know had never met or spoken with or interacted with on social media since some of those went public well I mean I think it, it was funny to see how you know how it went. Uh, you know, get up. ESPN's show, get up. They retweeted it. Um, you know, that was pretty cool. I thought. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of people that I that I know of on the internet that I don't uh, know in person that you know interacted with the video, which is hilarious. I mean, that that's what this is about. It, it is supposed to be entertainment. I mean, I love the fact that Sage and Will and Felix and a lot of the other drivers are putting in hours and hours and hours of testing and development. But for me, I mean, I'm, I will practice and I will try to do, you know, better than I did at Watkins. But, but I also know what this is really about. I mean, it's, it's not – there is no trophies. There is no prize. Like, I, I think you've got to keep that in mind. You, that there, you know, people are shouting at each other during the races and getting mad and stuff like that. And it's like, dude. This isn't for anything. Yes, we want to beat each other. We're all competing. And, like, absolutely, I know Will doesn't want to get beat by anyone, and I know any of those other guys don't want to get beat by anyone. But I like to keep things very realistic. And my goal is to try and show up in real life in Detroit and be ready to win, as those guys will too. But I, I, I know for me it's frustrating, uh, you know, to, to get beat. But I think I'm, I'm here to try and create something hilarious and create something that will last on the Internet because we're living in the Internet era. And I think more than anyone I might understand that, and that's what I'm trying to do. Well, they had, it was funny, in the post-race uh, Zoom press conference that we had with the podium guys and then some, some media that were asking some questions, they initially said that uh, Sage was actually going to get a ring and a trophy, and then they, of course, had to pull back at the end and say, of course, that it was a virtual ring and a virtual trophy. So kind of just backs up what you were, uh, were already talking about there. Um, another one from uh, at Isaac Myers 20. Uh, something I've always wondered about IndyCar, when you're out in the race, how much are you consci consciously thinking about what you do on the track and how much is just reactionary based on pure instinct? Um, a, a lot of what we do do is subconscious. You know, your, your subconscious is trained to react to situations because we've been doing this, you know, for so many years. Um, your brain is always thinking at a very high level. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but a lot of the, you know, reactions to what's going on are just high levels of processing. Uh, our brains, I truly believe, work at a very high level when in the car, but that's that's also helped by the adrenaline that we're producing. Um, so, you know, that that question is is hard to explain. I think everyone is different, um, but for sure, I can tell you a lot of you know what uh, you know what you're thinking about on track is also you know what what your brain has you know trained itself to do over the years. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of it is what you're telling yourself before, uh, you know, mentally preparation wise. Um, so yeah, a lot of it is subconscious reaction. Uh, none of, none of these, you know, no humans outside of racing 
uh, you know, I could tell to do what we do immediately because you just can't physically tell your brain or body to do what we're doing out there, um, you know, without the years of experience that we have. So it's that 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 would be the most I think appropriate answer, at least in a short term sense. Another uh, question from Chad Russell at Chad Russell 366. Uh, another question on the eye racing front. Uh, says Connor, what's the best way to achieve lap time in eye racing that would not work in real life from your experience? That's actually a really funny question because I think the the there have not been many IndyCar drivers getting on eye racing. Um, you know, certainly in the last last couple of years, I, I know Felix has done a lot of it. I know Sage has done a lot of it. Santino has done a little bit of it. Um, but realistically, I know for the most part the majority of the field is just now getting onto it. And a lot of what we told them immediately, they're like, well, well, that's not how this car drives on iRacing because a lot of us, you know, we brake really hard and you brake to use the downforce. And, and that's not really how the iRacing model seems to have been developed. Um, you know, there's a lot of, on iRacing, it seems to benefit from, less and lighter braking and rolling the speed into the corner you don't hammer the brake pedal and get a lot of speed on the entry to the corner um and for some reason uh you know accelerating in in, in the iRacing IndyCar model is really difficult but we don't have enough power in real life to spin the wheels so I don't I don't know where this wheel spin comes from and this this <laughs> lack of grip uh under acceleration so that that is very strange for me i think that that is something that um i don't know enough about you know simulator model development and whatever that is to you know to be able to change that but uh, a lot of the corners in and watkins Glen, um you know uh, under acceleration you know there would be a lot of of loose moments and that's just frankly not real um so so yeah so i think there's a lot of differences between simulator and real life and maybe this is a you know this will be good for iRacing in the long run because you get a lot of real drivers you know straight into it who are uh, you know who are helping you develop it that's a really good point um more of a comment than a question from mark blizzard uh but he just wants uh, Connor to know, we need more of you and Rossi on reality TV or just streams of you narrating previous race broadcasts. Throwing Colton and it's pure gold. I love hearing how you talk about other drivers during the stream. It totally sounds like every job I have worked at. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of us, you know, there's a lot of comments that will be probably heard over the next few weeks that, um, you know, you wouldn't normally hear in, in, in real life um, only because, again, we're trying to create something hilarious. And, and a lot of these opinions, these these things that will be said over the next couple of weeks are purely to, you know, to make people laugh. And, and that you got to think about that. You know, we Alex and I were on reality television, I think, um, you know, really randomly, but it, it ended up being pretty funny. And, and I think. You know, I'm all, I'm never going to change. I'm always going to be me no matter what. And, um, you know, I know Alex is pretty hilarious. And when we get him going on the Internet, you know, maybe more people will see sort of what, what I saw during The Amazing Race or what, what people saw during The Amazing Race was, you know, Alex definitely having to talk and get out there and be, you know, be himself, which is really – which Alex is really funny. And he is really, you know, really cool guy. So, um, so I think that hopefully we'll be able to show that to people, you know, more and more over the next couple of weeks. 
Now, do are are there people actually, whether it's your team or uh, the folks from IndyCar, when you guys are streaming uh, on on Twitch or Instagram or other platforms, do they have you guys actually instructed to like make sure that you're thinking about not swearing or anything like that on these broadcasts, since these are these are getting a lot of viewership? Or how are you guys kind of trying to be funny, but also maybe monitor things uh, a little bit more than you might in a, an actual race car? Um, I mean, to be honest, I mean, my Twitch stream, no one's policing it. I mean, <laughs> Twitch, Twitch, Twitch people know like that, that it is like you can curse. Like it's not, it's not TV. So, you know, you, you can do whatever. I mean, I don't curse on my Twitch streams. Um, but like, yeah, we're Colton and Alex. Yeah. A couple times for sure. But that's because they know that like, it, it's not, it's not a network television thing, right? Like, I don't think. Uh, you know, yeah, on, on IndyCar's YouTube page and on IndyCar's official broadcast, would anyone swear? No, uh, because it's like, that's normal. But on, on true internet broadcasts, on tr- which is what Twitch is, that, which is what Twitch is supposed to be, which is a more personal interaction with fans and with people, are people potentially going to curse? Yeah, absolutely, because we're real humans and that's what we do. Um, and that's what sometimes happens if you're competitive. You know what happens in an IndyCar race when drivers are in the car? They curse, and I think people know that <laughs> because it's bleeped out in the uh, you know in the radio messages that are replayed after the races. So you know when we're actually racing, um, and we're actually racing on iRacing, is there going to be some you know some chatter like that? Absolutely, because guess what? That is what's going to happen in real life too. So. I think there were uh, there was just a, a driver or two that prompted that because I think there was someone who who did and then actually like apologized after it. Um, I'm not sure who it was during the race on Saturday, but it was just kind of a funny moment. Um, another good one from uh, Megan at Nico Niner Four Connor. Do you yell under your helmet like that during actual races too? I think she's probably. Uh, I would imagine referencing uh, the uh, excitement and craziness that you had there in that first lap when I don't know if it was uh, Tony or Alex, but someone crashed on that first lap and was flying through the air from that race on Saturday. Um, yeah, in no way do what I do on Twitch during races. <laughs> in no way is that the same as what we do in real races because I'm only interacting or what I'm reacting to is literally seeing a virtual car fly through the air and that doesn't happen in real life. So, uh, you know, I think there, there, there's a lot of differences between what I'm doing on Twitch during races than what I'm doing in real life because it's not real. (laughs) Again, I have to, I have to, I have to keep encouraging that it is not real at all and we're here and what i'm doing and saying is because i'm reacting to some hilarious things that might actually be going on in virtual world um and that's what you got to remember so uh so yeah i i I might be screaming and reacting and 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 saying hilarious things because that's how i am in real life like I, i i am like i try to laugh i try to you know try to react to things in a, in a hilarious manner because that's just what I do. Like, it's just, that's just how I was built. And, uh, in a race car though, I am, you know, I'm different because that is my job and that's what I do. So that, that's the story behind that. Um, well, I think that looks like all the questions that we got this week. Uh, as we've talked about IndyCar, will be back on the virtual track at Barber Saturday at four in the afternoon. 
streamed on uh, IndyCar.com, IndyCar's Facebook Live feed, IndyCar's YouTube page, as well as iRacing uh, on their YouTube stream and I believe their Twitch stream as well. You've also got loads and loads of drivers that are doing their own streams. Uh, let the folks know again, Connor, where people can access your Twitch stream if they want to follow that instead of watching the broadcast or, or watch it additionally. Yeah, so iRacing streams the race on their Twitch channel, which is a really good good way to watch it. But definitely hop around a little bit. I mean, go from Twitch channel to Twitch channel. You know, I, I've got a Twitch channel. You know, it's twitch.tv backslash ConnorDaily22, like all my other social media, you know, which is ConnorDaily22. Um, but, you know, Sage Karam was streaming it. Uh, I know that, you know, Scott McLaughlin is, is streaming on Twitch. Uh, as well as, uh, you know, I think Dalton Kellett was getting into it as well. You know, I, I, I think Tony Kanaan is going to try and be doing a live stream himself as well uh, because I gave him a webcam to do something like that uh, just yesterday. So, so yeah, so I, I think it, it, it might be cool to, you know, hop from broadcast to, to a certain driver's stream. And, and so, yeah, check it out. I know Santino's got one as well. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not his biggest fan, but that's, that's all right. I think it's cool to at least tell people to go by there and check it out because it's, it's mutual respect, you know, between each driver. And, and yeah, I think it's cool to, to see how each driver might react to certain situations. So definitely go check those out. Uh, before we go, do you think Sage comes away with uh, another win this weekend on Saturday? You think Felix takes it or, or should we watch, we be watching for someone else? Yeah, Sage is Sage is gonna win by a mile or crash. Hmm? Sounds about right. Sage, that that that's pretty much it. He uh he made it. He was really really close there toward the end of that race. Almost got in an accident when uh Kyle Kirkwood sp- spun right in front of him when he was trying to make a pass on on his lapped uh, car. So that was almost uh, a big accident by uh, not his own fault. So we'll see if. If something like that makes uh, the end of this race really, really exciting, or if guys kind of drive away from the field, uh, Sage and, and Felix and maybe someone else. So um, that'll do it for us here at IndyCar Weekly. I'm Nathan Brown with the Indianapolis Star. He's Connor Daly. And thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out IndyStar.com for all the latest IndyCar news, and we will talk to you again soon.